Hey, James, how are you going? Good, thanks, Pato. That's good. Uh, thanks for coming coming on for the second time in one year. I know. Incredible, mate. I am absolutely humbled and honoured to be back, and I, I can't believe I'm, I'm on for a second time already. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a wild journey, mate. But, yeah, yeah well, a lot, has, a lot has changed since last time you were on, like, um, you know, because, yeah, last time you just won, uh, came at, as the assist to Dead Cow Gully running 41 yards. Yeah. And, and back then, like, I didn't get the impression at all that you that qualifying for bigs was even on your radar. <laughs> no, it wasn't on my radar at all. Not at all. So, I mean, honestly, even going into Clint Eastwood in August, um, it was – I knew it was something out – I knew there was some qualifying thing going on, um, but it wasn't part of my plan. And, like, the story of that is Alan, um, the race director there, he came to – so it was just Ryan and I left, and he came over to my tent at 56 and said – I think he actually said, look, we've been speaking to Laz, and, and they've said if you get to 60, you're definitely banking yourself a, a, a spot at Biggs. Yeah, and I and I think I said to him, I I don't ever want to do one of these again. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in that at all. <laughs> but that during that whole day, I think I'd wavered and had a bit of a low and said, "Look to Ryan, look, you take it." But I'm done, and he did the same to me at one point. And I think we were both just kind of looking for a finish line. And when that was given to us, we said, "All right, well." We got together on the next loop and said, look, we'll go to 60 and then we'll call it a day together. And that's a that's a great way to finish this. And um, yeah, so that's how it worked out. We got to 60. Um, it qualified me. And then um, I had a, I had only had a couple of days to think about it. But um, yeah, one of the major factors in me saying or agreeing to go was um, you know, the fact that Tim Walsh said pretty soon after that he'd crew me. Yeah. And I thought, look, the universe is kind of making this very possible, so I'll just go with it and, uh, hey, let's see what happens. Right. Um, yeah. I remember um, when we spoke, um, yeah, like you are up in the air about when you were going to do your next Backyard Ultra and you had BVRT locked in, which was the same weekend as the Masters at Dead Cow Gully. Mm. And I, I was thinking, oh, maybe you got a bit of FOMO after. I mean, you did really well at BVRT. I think you came fourth and ran a good time. But yeah, were you watching what was happening at, at the Masters and thinking, I might, I want to do one of these again? Yeah. Well, the funny thing was, I ran BVRT. It would have started at a very similar time to to Dead Cow, <laughs> and uh, I ran a hundred miles. And uh, by the time they finished the dead cow, I'd probably had three nights sleep <laughs> post the race. So <laughs> I thought, God, uh, I don't know which one I'd rather be doing. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was an amazing thing to watch and watching it all unfold. It, it didn't give me FOMO, but, you know, funnily enough, I think in the last podcast you asked me what was next, and I, I'd forgotten that I'd actually um, registered for Clint Eastwood and completely forgotten. Right. So um, I had a spot at Clint Eastwood, and yeah, when I realised that, I was like, "Oh, I'll definitely go and do that then." So yeah. Um, yeah, but the other thing was, if you'd have told me, you know, Biggs was nine weeks after Clint Eastwood, I definitely wouldn't have done it in in, in a sane state of mind. I don't think that's enough recovery time. Mm. Um, 
But, you know, we tried to put a positive slant on it and both myself, right, Ryan was really saying, you know, it's 400Ks, great little session before. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, um, so we just, that was my long run before Biggs and I, I did keep, you know, from the the, the training um, and it took like four weeks to recover. It always does properly. Um so, look, I only had one good month of training and it was only really two weeks of training before I had to start tapering again. So, once I've recovered. So, yeah, um, very, that's a, that's the tightest turnaround you'd want between backyards, I think, if you're going to go as long as we did. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, so, what was your mindset going into Clint Eastwood? Was it just to, just to see how you go or? I'd written in my plan um, a goal of 65 plus. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I didn't actually expect to see Ryan there, so I was surprised that he was there because I knew he was doing bigs. Yeah. Um, but I think he was of a similar mindset of just see how it plans out and probably, you know, don't don't go too nuts. But, um, yeah, the way that it worked out, um, <laughs> when we got left at about hour 38 together, we were, we were just in we were in hysterics. It's like, oh, not again. Like, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So don't think we expected to go another 22 hours, but it, it was kind of just fun and we just enjoyed running together and pushing it together and it was extremely tough. It was hot in the day and then, um, you know, the nights dropped really low and temp. So it wasn't easy, but, mm. um, yeah, I think by the time we got to 60, it felt right uh, to call it a day then and I felt like uh, I was in good shape at that point. So, you know, it was like, all right, well, if there is a possibility that we're going to go to Tennessee, then let's definitely not do one more loop than we need to here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when when you set yourself like a, a goal of 65, was that without mm. knowing that that would have got you into, like you weren't, didn't, you weren't no. thinking bigs at all at that No, stage. no, no, no way. Because I, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought prior to Clint Eastwood that I could turn around that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have any of that. I, I don't even, you know, just the logistics of getting over there. Um, I think for a backyard ultra, it's extremely tough to do it overseas, to go overseas. Um, you know, we were spending so much time and money beforehand buying stuff that we were only going to use for that day and then leave it all there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's the greatest sort of thing to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, when you're thinking about um, going and doing races overseas, it's a very tough ask. Um, and would I do it again? Yeah, I would actually. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, hopefully I can get some of my gear. Hopefully, Les keeps my gear somewhere there so we can use it again. Um, so, with running with Ryan Crawford for such a long time at Clint Eastwood, I know you knew each other. But after Clint Eastwood, you knew, like, you got to know each other really well over those 24 hours you were running together, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And, like, it was just amazing how the trip in the US turned out. Um, just the fact that Ryan, you know, at one point in Clint Eastwood, he just turned around to myself and actually Sean Lyons was still in the race at that point. He said, um, we need to work together here because there was one guy, Dan, going off the front really quick mm. and it was going into the, the night and we're all running by ourselves. So there's four guys left, all running really strung out and Ryan just said, we need to work together, otherwise none of us are going to make this. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's him. Yeah, he's he's grown into this kind of uh, he's super selfless and, he, you know, he's that kind of mentor that he's got the experience and he knows what he needs to do, but he also knows, you know, you can't do it alone. And, and yeah, we just connected then and, and ran through that through that night and next day and um yeah it, it was like having a gym partner when you wake up at 4 30 in the morning and you know if you if you're if you go to the gym on your own you might just hit snooze and go roll over and go back to bed but i knew that every every you know when the whistle went ryan would just be standing at the start line and i needed to be up there with him and it was yeah it was that accountability to someone else to go oh said i'm going to do this so let's get up and go again yeah and um you know um the way it turned out in in tennessee this time around was not what we probably would have expected but it was equally as a uh, magical experience for both of us so it was yeah yeah, yeah. definitely and how did it actually feel like when you finished at clint eastwood together you knew you got your 60 and had qualified for bigs what did it actually feel like? Well, I think with these backyards, you feel so much better when you put a finish line somewhere there. So once when we're at 56 and it was a bit open-ended, I, I know even on that loop, I'd come into my tent saying to my crew, like, I think I'm done here. And um, yeah, then it was kind of like we got given this four-hour finish line. And I was like, oh, no, I can, I can get to that. That's just one more and then one more and then there's only two and you're done so i can do that and it felt so good to have finished it in the way we did um you know ryan and i were running along thinking what will people think if we pull out together <laughs> will everyone be annoyed that there was no winner yeah. um, and we were having these conversations it was literally and then we kind of hinted to Alan that that's what we wanted to do. And we were worried about what he would say as well, because uh, it's his his race. And he was so supportive. I think he was actually blown away by the fact that we would share it together. And he, he loved it. So um, yeah, it felt so good to just do it, to, to get 60 done. It was, a, it was a PB for me. I felt in pretty good shape at that point. Um, and yeah. We'd done it on our own terms, um, and then we knew we were, you know, potentially both going to Tennessee. So it was the start of the journey, not really the end. Yeah, um, you did mention that it's a big thing going to the US for a race, and especially with such a, a, a short amount of time to organise it. I mean, it sounds like like a headache, um, like <laughs> organising the flights, the logistics, the time off work, the visa. I'm, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. Like, was it was it a, like? Did it almost cause you like? Was it so close you almost didn't go because there was so much to do? No. Once I decided to go, it was it was just okay. Let's just organize one thing after the other. Just put a list down and and get each tick each thing off. Yeah. So yeah, once I kind of had made the decision, it definitely all fell into place. Yeah. Um, but you need, you know, it's not just about being a good runner, the backyard ultra. It's about your 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 planning, your preparation, the logistics. Um, so, yeah, it, there was a lot of work. I'm not going to say it wasn't. And and I did a lot of preparation 
on the mind as well. And um, part of that was being super prepared on the logistical side of things. So I didn't have to, I didn't have a mind that was worrying about certain things. Like, do I have this? Do I have that? Oh my God, I forgot, you know, mm. something really important. So I, I worked on being really well prepared on everything um, so that I didn't need to think about it once I got over there. Yeah. yeah. And had, you, had you been to the US before? I, yeah, I have. I have. I've been a couple of times. So, um, yeah, but definitely not for a race. And it was always a dream to run in the US um, in a trail running event. So I didn't think it would be big, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did you do any touristy things when you got there or did you just go straight to tennis? Uh, no. So I, well, I kind of, I went to San Fran and spent a few days there. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I'm pretty good with not um, doing too much touristy stuff because I just think it's time on your feet that you don't really need. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I tried to be pretty relaxed. Um, you know, I even, I, in San Fran, I, I, I went on some runs just to shake out. Um, I found a place that had a sauna and an ice bath, so I, I jumped in there. Um, and, yeah, I had sort of two nights before then I needed to fly down to Tennessee. And I had an Australian mate of mine who's living in, in the US, so he, I met up with him and uh, we went to um, some parent, a friend's, uh, a friend's place there that we stayed at for a couple of nights and then we met up with Ryan went down to the Airbnb in Murfreesboro, which is about 20 minutes from the race. Right. So very, yeah, pretty, pretty relaxed, chilled um, lead in. Um, I got really badly jet lagged. So there was a time when I just couldn't sleep at the night and I was waking up at like 11 in the morning. And yeah, so that I got rid of that. And so by the time that it was in the last few days to the race, I was pretty much well on time. Mm. Um, I did get a little bit of a cold leading in. So I had a little bit of a sore throat. Um, so I, I didn't feel the best, but that can sometimes happen on, on a taper situation and also with the travel. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't feeling the greatest leading in, but, um, I, I feel like I've had enough experience with tapering that that can happen. So I was like, I, I sort of put that down to, it's just all part of getting ready and the body's, the body's ready. Yeah. Mm. And did you bump into any other, other runners like? Where you were staying, or not? not no, no, no. <laughs> God knows. We <laughs> we were in a little house somewhere in Murfreesboro near a Walmart, right? Um, and yeah, so I didn't see any other runners until we turned up there on the Friday just to have a bit of a look at the at the course, and um, yeah, but even then, there wasn't too many people there when we went there. We saw we met the Japanese guys. Um, Really, they were the only ones we saw while we were while we were at the race precinct on that on that Thursday, I think. Yeah, or Wednesday even. Yeah. And is that the is that when you bumped uh, or met up with Tim Walsh um, the day before the race as well, or did you see him before? No, we saw him before. So he took us down. It must have been the Wednesday. He took us down just to have a little look. Yeah. And get an idea of how far it is and everything. Um, and that's when we had an initial look at the trail. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, could, the video you posted was really good of that because it really showed us some how like gnarly it was, like some tree roots and loose, like all that leaf litter. Um, 
tree stumps. Yeah, it was amazing that first time we saw it. Um, you could really see the trail. It was covered in leaves. Yeah. And um, honestly, within four or five loops, I guess with 75 runners on it, it was really well defined. It, it actually got really dusty. Um, so yeah, it looks so different after a few loops. You could really, you could really see the trail, but, um, it was, yeah, just so twisty and rocky and rooty and yeah, the, the roots would take your feet out from under you and you would just crash to the ground. Yeah. And I hadn't, I don't think like. Falling in trail running is, is a part of it, you know, and especially when you're learning. And I, But I honestly hadn't fallen on a trail for, for a few years. Yeah. And um, I fell on the first lap right. on this one. And it wasn't a – yeah, it, I, I – like one of these little tree roots just caught my toe and I just absolutely lost my legs from under me. I fell flat, like, onto my hands. I have a handheld, so the handheld just got squeezed in the – onto the trail, water's just spurring <laughs> everywhere. And I hit my knee, my left knee so hard and it like, it took skin. And and um, one of the French guys ran past me and he's like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm, on my, <laughs> I'm like halfway through loop one and I've already smashed my left uh, knee. Yeah. And um, yeah, lucky it didn't really come into play, but it was definitely bruised. And yeah. I was thinking if that sort of seizes up a bit, that could be an issue, but it, it kind of behaved itself yeah, um, and became the least of my concerns as the time went on. <laughs> yeah, um, I was the first one to fall, I think. <laughs> um, I saw um, Tim Walsh was definitely doing a lot of travelling before he got there, but I can imagine he would have been absolutely frothing at the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we all were in, in, for for whatever reason we were there. It was an amazing experience to just be there, and it was like, wow, this is real. We are actually here, mm -hmm. and we were saying that to each other as well. You know, it's yeah. hard to believe we're here and we're doing this, and um, you know, it was an honor to run with seventy five of the toughest people on the planet. You know, mm. um, and yeah, just to be a part of it, to watch it all unfold, and it's a it's an amazing thing yeah did um did you and tim talk much or go into much detail about planning the race yeah yeah we did yeah, and yeah. so part of my preparation was definitely um identifying that the crew especially there was going to be a huge factor in the performance of the runner yeah um the fact that we couldn't and this changed but I, originally, you weren't able to even swap a crew out. So your crew member was going to have to go as long as the runner did and deal with the sleep deprivation, deal with the, you know, all the frustrations of doing something for a long period of time, for three or four or five days. Yeah. So, you know, we were we definitely had a process laid out. Um, my expectations of Tim, um, my plan all that was very much laid out and yeah, I think I, it just helped so much for him and for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And yeah, cause I do understand Laz did change the rules like one or two yeah. days before. Like, he did. 
was there a group of runners who approached him with just saying, look, we need we need to do this? It's, do it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I don't know why he changed, um, but I know, you know, uh, for example, Phil, he, he was able to give Gemma 24 hours rest at the start and then swap her in. Yeah. Um, but I think I think overall Laz is just worried that okay, I've got 75 runners plus 75 crew. So there's 150 people. It's a really small area. Mm. So even the tents that were the furthest out, because prior to it we were given a sort of map and you were given a tent. And you know, even then it was like, oh, those those um tents on the outside are still so close. They're, they're closer than anything, any any other tent I've been in in a backyard. So, yeah. I, you know, you were never that far from the, the starting corral. And we and we actually, there's two big tops either side of the starting corral, and we all had a chair in there. So you could have used that space as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I saw from, that. Yeah. Yes. Did some runners only use that? I think so, yeah. It didn't kind of take my attention. Like, I was much happier to go back into my tent every time. Yeah. Um, and my tent was like right behind us. The, the like I could just turn around from the start, come through the finish, turn back around, and pretty much like fall into my chair almost. Yeah, so I, yeah. I was lucky. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the longer it got, I was using the bed as well. So every time I come here, I was getting to bed. Um, yeah, but there were definitely people using that, and I think in the day it kind of made sense to use it because those lap times on the trail were getting slower and slower and you just didn't have time for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. But when you mentioned, like, you couldn't believe you were there, it kind of didn't feel real. Like, how long till it actually felt real? Like, by the time the first bell went, did it, were you totally in the zone and then you... you it, felt real, it felt real when we got there. It definitely was like, oh, we're definitely here and, <laughs> like, Laz is there. And <laughs> <laughs> when we... Actually, when we got there the first day, um, the guys putting the big top, the big tents up, had actually um, pierced a, a water pipe, and he was having a water leakage coming up through the soil. Mm. So Laz was like stressing out. <laughs> so we got there, and you know, we got race director Laz stressing out about a, you know, the, the water. And actually, my mate with us, Anthony, he he was the one who. Um, got into the plumbing and like stopped the water and everything so yeah it was it was like oh we're here and there's shit happening and it's, uh, <laughs> the logistics of uh and the trials and challenges of putting on a race even Laz isn't immune to it so, yeah. yeah it was um I think by the time we we um got into that starting corral at, at 7 a.m and he said what he he, he reads off a script as to the the rules and the the intro that he has uh, so he'd sent us that the night before and he, then he reads it out and then that, and then that, you know, he rings the bell and, um, yeah, suddenly, mate, you're just off for a jog and it's like any other event, really. It, um, you've got to deal with, with what's, with what's coming. So we run, you run out down the road just to a turnaround and then back through the starting corral and then you run into the trail. So that, that little out and back on the road just sort of thinned the field out a bit. Yeah. Um, and then you hit the trail and it's single file and and full concentration yeah. for the for the rest of the loop. <laughs> um yeah, because you made it pretty clear last time we talked that you you love running in trails. Did you love running in this trail too? Yeah, I did. Um I guess 
what I didn't really <laughs> expect was I knew it was 170 metres of elevation, a loop. Yeah. But I just didn't think about how that was going to add up. And that does sound a bit like mm, you could have prepared better for that. But I I was kind of doing the maths in my head after about three or four loops. It's like, Jesus, this is this is going to be tough. Um, and when it went... So it was 11 loops on the trail and then 13 loops on the road. Mm. And so what that meant was you're doing 74K of trail with 2,000 metres of elevation every day. Yeah. And then you're going to hit the road and you're going to run 87K on the road at night. And then you're going to turn around and you're going to go back to the trail and do that all over again. <laughs> and the talk out on the loop early in the first day was, yeah, okay, my legs are feeling this already. It, feel, it feels like we're probably, like, after about eight loops, it's like, it feels like we're about 10 loops ahead of this, the way my body's feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone was adjusting to that in their own way. Um, but it was, you know, hotter than you probably thought in the middle of the day leading into the, the later loops. Um, it got really dusty out there. Yeah. We were we were really, I think all of us got bleeding noses. Like, I yeah. mean, there's definitely all that vision of Harvey with blood all over him, but... We all had bleeding noses. Yeah. And um, that's just my, from the dust, do you think? Yeah, 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 I think so. I think so. It was definitely super dusty after a, the first day. Yeah. Um, and it just kept getting worse and worse. Mm, yeah. So um, did I enjoy running on the trail? <laughs> I did. Yeah. But it was bloody tough. And uh, honestly, like, getting getting into the second day, and so that was loops 24 to 35 out on the trail the second day. Yeah. And I remember getting later in the day and thinking, all you need to do is get to the night. Got to get to 35. Yeah. And then once you're at 35, man, you can relax and just yeah. run, grind the road. And the road, you know, it's cool. It's easy. It's, it's, not, it's not actually fun, but it's a lot easier than the day. And you're just grinding into the night, and it's fine. But once you make that 35, you definitely, you're definitely going to make 200 miles. Then you'll easily get through the next morning, and then you can worry about that the next day on the trails. But um, I remember I was absolutely flogged um, in that 30 in those last few day loops of the second day, and I was thinking once we made it to the night, I was thinking this is definitely the toughest group of runners I've ever run with. But yeah. everyone, for everyone that made it through to that second night, I was thinking, Jesus, it's like these guys are and girls are tough as nails. Yeah. And I, I actually was thinking in my mind, there'll hardly be anyone dropped now during the night. And I don't, I don't think many did. Mm -hmm. Everyone that got through to that second night pretty much made it to forty-eight. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, wow, <laughs> this is really next-level stuff here. Yeah. Yeah, and the people who did drop before 48, most of them, well, from what I th can think of, I can think of two anyway, most, they dropped because they hurt themselves in, like, by falling in the trail. Yeah, yeah, and I think I saw, I mean, the first one to go was the Bel Belgian that fell, and I think I actually saw that fall. And, it, I mean, it's funny now, but the thing, everyone, everyone that you saw fall, it was like an epic fall. Right. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just going down easily. It was someone, like, really getting their legs ripped from underneath them and then they're trying to, like, hold on to something. Okay. 
And then you're trying to grab a branch and you're twisting and falling while you're <laughs> twisting in. And it's just like, oh my God, this is so bad. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. And, but I, think I saw that fall and he twisted and then fell. And, and there was plenty of rocks to fall on. Mm. So the concern is you would actually fall and hit your head on a rock. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that was the that was like a major possibility. And I think what happened to him is he fell and hit his ribs. Right. And once you got bruised ribs, how long are you going to last? You can't. <clears throat> and you, and the trouble, the other trouble with this is you knew it was going to go so long. Um, yeah. If you're, if you've got a ma- major injury really early, you, you may as well, there's no <laughs> mentally thinking, how, how am I going to get to 80 or 90 or a hundred from here? I'm not even going to probably be in the mix then. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the, the weight of the shoulders off from me early was uh, we, I was never looking for people to drop or, or even noticing it because you're just thinking they're all going to be here for ages. Yeah. So often in a backyard altar, you're kind of starting to look around and go, oh, this looking weak and you, you're kind of wanting people to drop. But in this, didn't even think about it. And we weren't, you know, we weren't getting told when people were dropping. Um, I probably didn't notice yeah, even till past fifty. Really? Yeah. That yeah, even even maybe longer when I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot smaller now. Yeah. But yeah, maybe into that would have been in the sixties. Mm. Uh, looking at the times you were running, you definitely looked like you ran your your first day faster or the fastest, and it looks like you might have like like found a groove on days two and three. So mm. was that a conscious decision, or was it just like? getting into the flow i think if i look back and i'm honest i probably went a bit too fast on the first day um i probably burn a little bit of i I was always trying to keep it calm and um you know you you go out on that first day of a backyard and you think you know just there's no pressure here all you gotta do is jog around um but i remember i did the first lap in like right in the middle of a pack so i was right behind someone and that's why i didn't see the the route that i tripped on mm. and then the second loop i thought stuff this i'm gonna get out a little bit faster and i think i did that in like 43 which is pretty quick on that trail yeah um and yeah i was getting some longer recovery but uh, you know i ran on the second the second time i ran the loop um because I did it almost on my own, I, 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 it was like the first time I'd ever run it. I didn't remember any of it from the first loop. <laughs> so, um, and I think it took a while for most of the runners to realise where the loops, like how we were actually going around the loop and when we came back to the, the common path again. And it, it was kind of weird. But, yeah, I, I, I feel like I probably burned a little bit of energy early mm. um, to my detriment, to be honest. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I yeah, sort of normalized day two, day three for sure, and felt pretty happy with the with the rest and the and even the sleep I was getting in the end. Yeah, how did you go with sleep? Uh, really well, really well. So I have noise cancelling headphones, and um, I'm lucky I did because <laughs> I tried to sleep without them once. Yeah. And I was right next to the to the line. So every single runner that came in after me, they'd be clapping, you know, yeah, going well, go. So 
I, I was hearing way too much. And so you need something to, to block that out. Yeah. So I was using noise cancelling headphones. I use a like a frequency in there. So it's just a low frequency sleep meditation that I actually use at night when I sleep. So my body it is really triggered to rest with that noise. Yeah. Um, and with that noise on, I can't hear anything else outside. So I'm completely in my own world. And by night two, night three, I was really able to just jump into bed, put that on and close my eyes and I would immediately go into a dream. So I, I, I could, I, it was like a movie was playing as soon as I closed my eyes and all I had to do was just drop into that scene and let go and I would be asleep. Ah. And yeah, and then, and then I would wake up and it was as if I'd kind of been yeah, I don't know. You like definitely asleep. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Yeah, so that was really cool, and and I was actually enjoying that. And night three, I was, or even night two, I was trying to do a couple of faster laps to then come back and just get back into that sleep because mm. it was so, so good. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely feel in this one, I've I've figured out in a sense, um, my relaxation strategy, and then further to that sleep once I get tired. But I was super tired during this so it was literally my body just flopping onto the bed and just going oh my god i'm out um i don't know how much of the live stream if you that you've watched if any but there is actually a bit where ryan's explaining on the live stream that you're listening to a frequency (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. so i can't it's so i mean you must have been loving the live stream and i think for backyard ultra fans and for anyone that you know we've never got that kind of like behind the scenes look at everything that was going on you know i would have friends uh, yeah they were just um besotted by it like they couldn't get away from it and they were checking it every hour and by the time i would go through the finish line turn around walk up to my chair, sit down. If I had a chance to quickly look at my phone and I would have some messages in there going, oh, that was a good loop. Like they'd already seen it, text me. And I was like, oh, wow, this is is super cool. Um, But, yeah, I remember that. I do remember that because, yeah, the guy came in. That that was on like, that was the second last loop I did. I think it was on loop 71. Right. And um, he came in and I said, I think I swore. So I said to Ryan, I think I fucked it. Right. And, and what I meant, what I was talking about was my ankle. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, he, I think even Ryan thought I, I, I was just talking about the race generally. Right. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, no, nah, you haven't. You're going well. You're, you're, you're perfectly on time. But yeah. I didn't have, I was so out of it. I was like, my mind had already moved on to what I was talking about. So I didn't try to, yeah, continue down that path. But that was definitely when I was feeling the ankle. Um, I saw you were sharing a marquee with Oriol from um, yeah. Spain. Yeah. He yeah. seems like a pretty cool guy. Did you um, did you get to know him at all? So he, um, him and his dad. Oh, so his dad was crewing for the first um, day at least, and his dad could absolutely speak no English. Um, so him and Tim were in there, and. His dad was really nice and at one point Tim went out of sleep and his dad sort of looked after me. I, this was like wee hours of the first night, so leading into 24 yards. And, um, yeah, he actually um, 
he woke me up at one point. I don't know if I was asleep, but I was definitely in another world in my headphones. And um, the second whistle went, he came over and tapped me. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I nearly uh, got left there <laughs> that yeah. first night. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Oriol, I knew how good he was. Um, you know, I'd seen that Suffolk backyard video on YouTube, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was coming in so late on, on so many. <laughs> I don't think he, uh, but it really was just his strategy. So the things I noticed from him were he's very much at ease with who he is and how he does this stuff. Yeah. Um, he was very much at ease coming in on the 56s, 57s. You know, sometimes I think, I think the whistle had gone before he'd even come in. Yeah. Oh, how do you do this? But yeah. it was, he was always eating as well, and he, he ate a lot. He always ate, like, whole foods, so he'd be eating sandwiches, noodles. Um, he only had a bed as well, so he didn't have a seat like me. Yeah. Um, and I really liked the seat, uh, and I like putting the feet right up, like that zero-gravity chair. Um, but, yeah, so he just had his bed, and, yeah, he was just getting about his business, no panic, completely calm, doing his own thing, and... And yeah, eating a lot. Yeah. Um, and and using that's probably the biggest thing out of it for me is the guys that do well, they know how to use their time. And you know, you don't you don't need ten minutes. You really don't. Yeah. Um, you can do this um coming in at fifty six, fifty seven if you need to. And mm. um yeah, there was a lot of that going on. So yeah. it's definitely opened my eyes to to that sort of strategy. Um, but at one point I got back to the tent and the, the one next to us had become available, so he moved all his stuff. Right. Um, and they were gone. I never really saw him again. <laughs> <laughs> They'd come back and, uh, yeah, at that point I think Ryan was there and he changed everything and we had a, we had a full marquee. So, yeah, we are back yeah. to normal. <laughs> um, so when you said to Ryan, I think I fucked it, and you, went to <laughs> and you were talking about your foot. Yeah, um, I agree. Do you think you... So you've had had it, have you had it confirmed that you have actually broken your foot? Yeah, so I've had two sets of X-rays, one in the states and then one in the um, and when one here when I got home. So it's a minimally displaced fracture involving the tip of the medial malleolus. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I've also got um, calcaneal spur on the heel, which is which is causes plantar fasciitis, which I have been getting on the right foot before this race. I was getting. Yeah. Um, but I haven't had the right foot x-rayed at all. But, yeah, I've got the same thing on the left foot. But, yeah, the, the major thing is that little fracture. Um, and, yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But yeah. I haven't seen a specialist yet. I don't think I'm going to need any surgery. I think it's just some time in the moon boot and then uh, into rehab. Um, do you think that you did it on that 71st loop? Or did no, you no, 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 no. So... <laughs> Um, I don't know when I did it, but I was complaining about it to Ryan for quite a while. Right. And I was saying to him, can you, you need to ice it. Like every time I come in, get an ice on it. Because I just wanted to numb it. All it, all it was to me at the, at the time was an acute pain going up into my shin. So like almost up halfway. So I had this like acute pain and then when I come in, I'm like, get ice on that. 
And <laughs> funnily enough, afterwards he was saying, "Oh, I was I was rubbing oils into it, and all this sort of stuff." Well, like rubbing oils into a fracture probably wasn't going to help. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what happened was during that third night, I started to, I started to get, suffer like little losses in memory. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it might have only just been forgetting the last immediate few moments. Like I might have run around the corner on the road and then gone, oh, I don't remember running around that corner. But the way that it was sort of happening was I, I was I'd sort of come to and go oh geez I think geez I hope I went through the right shit like at, we, we'd run out and back so we'd run 3.3 k's out and you, you had a little tag on your sock and on, on your ankle and you'd go past a machine and it was obviously che- checking you that you went so I'm thinking god have I done this right uh, I don't even know so it puts just it's just little second guessing things, and I and I came out of one of these moments, and I really noticed the pain. And right. I was like, wow, how long has this been there for? Yeah, and this was some at some stage through the night, but I it was definitely happening even before the night started because I'd already I'd already like like changed up my goal to just get through that third night to seventy two. And then call it a day because it was hurting that much. I, I, I don't. And plus, I had the blisters, and the blisters were probably I'd been running on blisters for thirty hours. Yeah, and they yeah, were bad. They were really yeah. bad. Yeah, the the photos and videos of it. Um, it looks. Um, I've never seen blisters like oh. it. Yeah, and like what happened was, whenever Ryan, so Ryan dropped at thirty, probably took till forty to recover. And then he just came up to the tent. He's like, I'm, I'm working with you guys now. Yeah. And when he, and I said, at some point, we're going to have to look at my feet. So I'll, like, I'll try and go and do a quicker loop. When I get back, it, we'll, do, we'll do one foot and then we'll, I'll do another loop and then you do the other foot. And I remember we took the, we took the shoe off on the right and he took the sock off. <laughs> and I was watching his face and I could see his face, like a look on his face. And he didn't say anything to me, but afterwards I said, oh, mate, I could see the look on your face when you first took that sock off. And he's like, mate, I just could not stop thinking, how did you get them so mangled? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he couldn't believe it. And, yeah, it was it, he basically just covered them in his cotton wool stuff and wrapped them and then put the shoe back on. And that's all we could do. But yeah. then I was, yeah, I was having some trouble because I'd, I'd like, put my foot on a rock on the trail and it would go right through and hit the blister and it was just agony. Yeah. Um, and, but honestly, I would run through that all, I would run through that fine and I did, I ran through it for days, but um, it was the ankle that, yeah, it was, it was too acute a pain. I knew something was really badly wrong, but I still probably ran on it for more than 12 hours. With, with these blisters, have, have you ever, is it something that you get, Whenever you do like the a long race, or is it? Yeah, I got them in. Um, I got them at Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, but not to this extent. And yeah, it's one of those things where I don't really because it's never happened like this before. I've never been super um, attentive to my feet, probably that I should be. Mm. Um, but this time around, I put. Like I had uh, some really good anti-blister socks and, um, yeah, I had nut butter all over my feet 
in like from loop one and I even put some of the cotton wool, the toe cotton wool that actually Ryan gave me, that that was in between each toe. And I had a really good first 12 hours. But for some reason, I decided that I'll, oh, I'll change my sock. Wow. And so I, I changed at 12 and ever since that, and I, and I put the same brand of shoe on, I socked back on. But ever ever since that, it just, yeah, it just went bad. And I, I don't know, like Ryan was saying I probably sweat more than usual and plus the shoe... The shoe that I had probably wasn't wide enough for me. Um, and and funnily enough, before the race, I was thinking I need to get a, a shoe, another half size or full size up for later in the race. Um, and by the size of, size of my feet at the end, I probably needed two, two sizes up. But, um, yeah, I've definitely got a few things to think about. With um, I was speaking even to Sam Harvey during the race and telling him about what's going on with my feet. And he, he had the same thing happen to him at Dead Cow. Mm. Uh, he uses creeper socks. Uh, he, yeah, I uh, even talking to Tim, the Aussie. Um, he uses topo shoes. Ryan uses ouches. I got a big toe box. So that's that's stuff I gotta I've gotta figure out because I can't have that happen again. It's just a yeah, yeah. something you can avoid, and it's something I, I really didn't need to make my day any harder than it needed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So you also mentioned in the live stream um, when you dropped after 72 um, how much the Aussie runners, Aaron Young and Rob Parsons, helped um, towards yeah. the end as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I've i met them a couple of times. I know they're bloody good blokes and they're bloody good runners too, but this is probably the first time you'd met them as well, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I just say, like, overall, like the, the, the bunch of Aussies that were over there, I was like, man, this this group is tough as nails. Yeah, all of them, yeah. all of them. From from Ben doing fifty, you know, put I don't know, he stabbed his knee or something two weeks before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, to do fifty on that course, it's massive. Yeah, um, it is absolutely huge. And you know, then Tim, at one point, I said to him, mate. You have turned up in some shape to this. He was in great. He was in great, Nick, and um, he was doing so well. Like he was really, he was doing some really quick night loops. Um, and it's just funny, you know, you're you're, you're in these until you're not. And suddenly, his 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 nutrition wasn't working for him. I think, and you know, it was a very sort of quick exit from him looking really good to not. But yeah, um, that was just an amazing performance and. Yeah, and then obviously Ryan, that was super disappointing, but you know, everyone knows what he's capable of on his day. Yeah. Um, and then Aaron and Rob, I mean, yeah, incredible guys. Um, I actually latched onto them and and I, I I think I did mention the pain that I was having. And for me it was selfish, you know. I was just like, I need to stick with you and you need to just keep me with you, man. I need to like sit on your wheel. And they were doing a four-minute on, two-minute walk strategy. And I just knew if I could latch onto them and stick with them, that would get me through the night. Because I was really, the third night, with the, the little losses in memory, I, I don't know whether I'm going to sleep out there or what was happening, but I was starting to lose the will to, to, to go forward. Mm. And um, I was finding it really hard out there on my own. And, and I knew, look, I have to get to the day. I wanted, I really wanted to get to 72, 300, like make this worthwhile to be here, you know. Yeah. I'm not I'm not quitting in the night, no way. 
And uh, I'm not quitting because of this pain, not quitting because of these blisters. <laughs> get through that night. And, and um, yeah, those guys, unbelievable. Like, they, yeah, they, they just let me sit on, on the back. And, um, yeah, I don't think I was saying too much. <laughs> yeah, we just worked together. Um, and, uh, yeah, got through to that, to that morning. Mm. You did mention that you re, um, readjusted your goal. and Yeah, yeah. And like, so what what was your goal earlier? Like, did you want to just did you have a hundred in mind, for example? Or well, I planned like my plan was to go yeah into the fifth day. Yeah. I really wanted. I really thought. Um. So, for me, finishing Clint Eastwood, having you know running sixty, having nine weeks to turn around and perform again. Um, my thought process was I can't really get fitter in the next nine weeks. Mm. Like I've done my long run at Clean Eastwood. That's my long run. <laughs> yeah. um, I need to recover from that and really come back strong. And then I will have probably two big weeks and then taper again and that's it. So I can't get fitter. I just have to maintain and get back to the heights of what I can do in training just to touch that and go, all right, I'm good, and then I taper again. But the other element of what I brought in was a was a mindset coach, and the work that I did with my mindset coach was really about planning, um, putting a, you know, a, a, an, orda a, a, an audacious goal out there and planning to do that. So it was kind of like, yeah, aim for the moon. If you miss, you'll land among the stars kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking to go long, definitely longer than 72. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we did mention Ryan Crawford before, how he his race ended earlier than um, mm. like, than everyone expected and it was, pretty, it was really disappointing for him. But I was so blown away by how invested he was in crewing for you mm. um I, I thought that was an awesome story about how he helped you make it there by going for 60 and then he helped crew you for 30 hours or so um yeah, at the race i thought that um just shows he's, he's a team man i reckon it's an amazing story the way that sort of went full circle and yeah he helped me to get to there and then when we're there, his race doesn't go the way he wanted it, but he managed to shake that off. And I know how disappointed he gets. Like, I know how much that would have cut him. Mm. And, you know, he did. He went in to his tent for 10 hours and he just had to <laughs> be away from people. Yeah. Not only he was sleeping, but he was just dealing with the disappointment. For him then to turn around and go, mate, I'm going to give all my energy now to you and we're going to get you through what you've got to go through. Um, you know, I was so lucky to have Tim there. Tim helped me so much in the lead up, your, the, all the organisation, helping me with all the gear, everything, like getting everything and taking it down there. And then he did a great job oh, um, in those first two days. I can't actually remember the hour where it changed. But, yeah, I know Ryan sort of moved some stuff up and then 
um, he was working on my feet. Um, and then at one point I got back and, and um, Tim had gone for a sleep and Ryan's like, it's just you and me now. So that would have been somewhere in the 40s, I think. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ryan as a crew member is incredible. Um, you know, he knows what to say, when to say it, how to say it. He knows what you're feeling. Um, he was he was trying to feed me everything. I'm not the best eater. <laughs> I kind of get stuff made for me. I'll take a bite and all that. But, yeah, he was, he was keeping me fed. Um, keeping me on track and yeah, it was kind of no different in running with him to having me in him in my tent. And you know, he's the one getting me out the out the door every every hour. So I know he's um he used to be a uh... I couldn't have been luckier to have him. And and especially his knowledge around Oh, sorry, I think there's a bit of a delay in our audio, but it... Yep. But um yeah, you were talking about his, his knowledge around Yeah, his knowledge around the um like just because of his kickboxing, yeah, he's so knowledgeable around um ankle pull injuries, foot injuries, um yeah, around the swelling and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't even during the race; it was after as well. Where he was, he was critical. The those first few days of my recovery, it's really helped me. Sorry, saved me weeks at the back end of recovering from this. So, yeah, um, I definitely owe him one paddo. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to crew him on a big one for sure. Yeah. At some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned he comes from the um, kickboxing background. You can imagine he'd be an awesome guy to have in your corner in, like, if you were in a fight, you know what I mean, like, in the ring. Like, he would have got a lot of experience in boxing, kickboxing days. And I think that's so important because it, it does become, like, and I, I've said this before, Big, it was like, it's like you go back to, like, every, at the end of every loop, you go back to your corner of the ring and, you know, you get the ice put on you and you get talked to. Yeah. <laughs> you get put back, back in your spot. Like, you know, this is what you, this is what you need to do next, next round. You know, this is, this is where we're at. Remind, remind you of who you are, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, Ryan's just got a, he, he, yeah, he's just got a presence about him. Um, he can get a message across very, very, very well, and he, he he knew exactly what I was capable of, and he was gonna make sure that I got the best out of myself. Yeah. Um, yeah so even at seventy-two, I felt really bad quitting, um, but at that point, I think I'd had enough of the suffering for, for one day <laughs> or three days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you did drop um, after seventy-two. Um, it kept, got captured on the live stream. You probably have watched it back, but you had it. Your yeah. Laz was there. You chatted with Laz, and he he said the Netherlands thing, like about how um, if you want to practice on trails, <laughs> you got to go to the Netherlands. And um, <laughs> I, he he said it to quite a number of runners, but I'm still not sure if he was being serious or if he's joking. 
So I picked up on that, that you, you picked up that he said that to quite a few people because obviously yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, th- I think Laz has a number of like, like pre-scripted lines that he just uses. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he just, yeah, he just delivers his lines <laughs> sometimes. So, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely a character. <laughs> um, and... Uh, like my my lasting memory of Laz, I mean, as a race director, he got up and blew that with like well three times. He blew the whistle for every single hour of 108 hours. Yeah, he did not miss one. He did it every single time. That in itself is absolutely crazy. Mm. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, hats off to him. But every single loop when he rang that bell, he would say like. Ah, Happy times, and he'd go, hey, 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 and it made me laugh every single time. Every single time, I'd have this massive smile on my face, um, just because it wasn't happy times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were all suffering so hard, and that bloody driveway, like it was really quite steep, and the rocks on there were so uncomfortable under your feet, and. You know, especially with my blisters and everyone. And I think there was a number of comments. I think even you said, God, all the runners look really stiff yeah. really early. And we're all just trying to, like, get up this bloody driveway. <laughs> it's like, can't you smooth this out, man, or something? <laughs> um, it was just a nightmare. So. <laughs> but, yeah, every hour, happy times. Yeah. Uh, he loves it. He loves it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the first thing that Mike, the, the big American guy in the in the in the in the timing tent, and he said to me, um, "Yeah, we really." Re-, he said, 300 miles, 72 hours. We really regret regret that you're you're not going to suffer any longer on this course." And I was like, oh, "Well, I definitely don't regret it." Yeah. I am done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more, please. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I know you're still in full recovery mode. But have you had a think about what, like, the next 12 months looks like um, from a backyard ultra perspective? Yeah, so, I mean, it's easy for me now. I, I won't be able to do Tarawera. It's just not a – I just don't have the, the time to turn around and do a good – like, I love Tarawera. It would be my third time in a mile. It would be my seventh time there, I think. Um, but it'll be the first time I probably miss it, um, not due to COVID and not being able to get there. Um, so I'll miss Tarawera and I'll go straight to Dead Cow. In May, yeah. So we'll do Dead Cow. Um, and then the satellite chance in WA, I guess, will would be the, the two that I'll do. Um, so hopefully Dead Cow goes well and I can extend on my PB. That would be the goal. And then, um, yeah, get, get across to WA for the satellite chance. Um, you know, I have to hold on to my place in that Australian team. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. So. We'll see what yeah. um, there's a number of people chasing those spots so yeah i don't know if 72 will be enough but yeah it'll be interesting to see how how it evolves over the next 12 months that australian team is going to be so strong yeah yeah and i guess the buffer for me is the silver tickets um so depending on who gets those um that doesn't knock me down the at-large list but you know, if those go really long, then there's a, there's an assist for everyone that has silver tickets. So, um, you know, they might knock me down a peg or two, but we'll see. Yeah. At the moment, I'm pretty 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 right in that team. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you'll – I'd be surprised if 72 doesn't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. 
it would like, take a few big results. Yeah. Like 72 will get you close to getting back into bigs in two years' time almost, I reckon. Yeah, well, it's – yeah, it's funny. that It probably will. Um, I don't know. Maybe it won't. I, I mean, seeing that Arrow Town on the weekend, I was thinking, geez, that's going to go long. Like, there was quite a few people left, was 11 people at, still at 40. But yeah. then it's all done by 50. <laughs> so, um yeah, it's no doubt these things are, no matter what, like, and even going into them now, you know, even in the first 24 hours at Biggs, I was thinking, Jesus, the way I felt, I was like, I am, this is going to be embarrassing. I'm going to be up so early. I don't think I can make 30 here. Yeah. Um, but you just have to have that patience about you. And, you know, that's really, really what I noticed with Harvey Lewis. I've never met him, but watching him was an absolute masterclass. And I felt like he was a bit quieter than usual with his, with his, um, communication with everyone but I think yeah he was on a mission and then inter really interesting to say as well that at the end he said I was the tightest I've ever been the first day in a backyard ultra and man that that takes up a lot of experience to get through that and a lot of patience because you know okay well it's a long a long um, game and you play the long game um, and of often what I think knocks people out early is frustrating because you just want you just want the hours to go by quicker and they're not going by. They're going by one by one. It's so frustrating. You think, God, yeah. how am I going to make 70, you know, but if, it's, if it's hour 18, then that's where you need to really work on being present, being the present moment. And, um, and he was a real masterclass in energy management. Um, yeah, amazing, man. He's, he's next level. Yeah. yeah. When you finished and... Um and you left, did you have an idea in your mind who you thought would be the last one standing? Not Harvey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone did because even Laz, they were all like, oh, wow, he's struggling. He was always coming in really late. Um, yeah, at times I think he was really showing his vulnerability. He just didn't look strong at mm. times, but that's the thing. You don't need to. You just need to keep turning up. And that's why I'm looking back on it going, wow, he really knows what he's doing. And that, that's taken years and years. It's not just, I mean, he's done that course at least once before as well. So he knew, he knew what to expect, uh, where a lot of us didn't know what that day, that day loop had in store for us. Yeah. So, um, you know, he had that experience. He knew, all right, it's fine. I'm feeling bad on day one, but who cares? Mm. There's three more days to pick that up. <laughs> and that's the mindset that you've got to have. It's It's not a... Oh, geez, don't start panicking because you're feeling down on a loop early. It's one by one. You gotta come in at 56, come in at 56. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of him, man, like on the last night, and I on my last night, and that there's that picture of him coming in with a whole group of people. Um, he was leading that group like hey, like a fitness instructor. So he'd be like, all right, guys, we're going to walk for 15 seconds. Walk now. And, and during that walk, he'll be like, guys, three deep breaths, roll your shoulders back. Like, grateful to be here. Everyone, grateful to be here. So he's like talking to everyone. Like, oh, man, he's a leader. And that's, you know, that's why he wins because yeah. he is a leader and because he can take these moments and, yeah, be so present in every single moment. You see him eating food even. He's present eating that food and mm -hmm. loving that food. Um, you know, he's present in his two minutes that he gets with his – back to the earth with the ice on his neck. Mm. He's present in those moments. And, you know, what he did, we, by the time that the end, the race ended, um, Ryan and I were in a, we were in a hotel, Airbnb in, um, back in Nashville. And 
and we were watching this event unfolding like the last few hours and it's amazing to have that experience. So Ryan had the experience of running in and dropping early and then crewing me. I had the experience of, of running in it up until 72 and then all this, the medical stuff I had afterwards. And then we, we'd still had a whole night's sleep and moved again. <laughs> We're still watching the same race unfolding. It's like, this is crazy. And watching his, the way that Harvey took the opportunity when Ehor looked a little bit vulnerable. After Ehor looked so strong for so many loops and Harvey was coming in way after him. It's like, this is just a matter of time. But then Harvey just took that one little opportunity, ran out in front of him and put him to bed. It's like, whoa, that is next level, man. Mm. That is next level. After five days, how do you do that? That is, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, it was epic to watch. And, um, yeah, in awe of that. And, you know, what a, what a, um, you know, not only achievement for him, but for everyone that could watch, we could all watch it. So in so much, you know, detail, and it was it was incredible. Yeah. So it's inspiring, mate. It's inspiring. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely um, elevated himself to legend status. I think in backyard ultra world, is there if there's one legend, it's definitely mm. Harvey Lewis. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, well, I think I mean. We're in this spot now where, you know, there's what now eight people over a hundred. Um, I think they're all legends, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and so many of us now have got that mark in our minds. Think, well, you know, um, it's possible. You've got to get everything right on the day, and you've got to have your preparation perfect, and then your execution perfect, and then a little bit of luck thrown in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's something uh, that yeah, it's definitely given us a lot of hunger to try and aim for that. So um, yeah, can't wait for the next the next ones. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just like as we talked about at the start of the podcast, you've gone from doing thirty yards in April last year at your first backyard ultra, and to doing seventy two yards at Bigs um, the next year. So it's pretty amazing. And I'd love to hear your three backyard ultra tips. Yeah. So um, I would say my number one would be to eat in training. So almost every run you do is an opportunity to, to train your stomach, to work out what works for you, what doesn't. And you can teach your stomach to eat more while you're moving. So yeah, it, it also helps for recovery and training to be eating during the runs. So I would say, like, get get your body as as um, attuned to eating as possible um, and use each training run as an opportunity to, to work out what's going to be best for you on race day. So, yeah, for me, um, I do take a handheld. I put trail brew in that handheld, so that gives me a certain amount of carbohydrate an hour that I drink on the course. Yeah. I have a gel as well, so that's another lot of carbohydrate, and I try to get up over 60 grams an hour. Um, but if you can push that higher, there's plenty of evidence to support that that's, uh, that's going to keep you going. So, yeah, definitely get, get your nutrition right. And I think, you know, Harvey would talk about that as something he nails. Mm. Um, but, again, you know, but for me going longer and longer, it's something that I figured out. Um, second one... <laughs> it's probably one that's come directly from 
from uh, this run would be, I think I'm going to have a larger shoe <laughs> for the longer yeah. that I go. So over over 30 or 40 hours, I think you, your, your feet expand and, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to look at uh, I don't think there's any harm in having a shoe half a size large, larger than usual uh, for, for the feet inevitably swelling. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, um, work out what socks are best for you, get that blister sort of under control and, um, yeah, a, a shoe a bit, a, bit, a bit larger for the longer that you go. <clears throat> um, and three, I would say, you know, a large part of my prep was, was mindset. Um, and so I would say the most important thing there is preparing the mind to stay in the present moment. So the further that your thoughts relate to the future, the less likely you're going to be able to continue through the current set of challenges. And I think meditation strengthens patience and patience is key to this format. So look, if you're running 15 hours a week in training, um, you, you could you could slice some of that down and put it to a meditation practice. And there's plenty of good 10 minute, 10 minute meditations on YouTube or whatever, wherever you get them. But you know, you could do something every day. Um, but even to think about it like, like I do, like if for every one hour of running you do, change that to 50 minutes and meditate for 10. Mm. So come into your garage, have your camping chair there, get into the chair and practice the process of running and then relaxing for 10. Um, and, you know, all this depends on how deep you want to go in the preparation that you put in. And really, you're only limited by your imagination as to, as to the lengths that you go. Um, but I think having a real tight process around running and then getting in the chair and how long it takes you to get into a state of relaxation, that can really be a game changer for going long and not letting, you know, different thoughts come in. Um, that potentially are going to derail you and lead you to stopping early. So, yeah, that's probably the three. Eating, larger shoot, and, um, yeah, staying present as much as possible. Yeah, <clears throat> awesome. Well, I reckon um, it's, an it's a really – it's an awesome journey, an awesome story how you went from 30 last year to 72 at Bigs this year. I reckon it's um, – It'll fire a lot of people up and make people realise that they can probably do it too if, if they really want to. And yeah, I mean, yeah, anyone can do it. This format lends itself to that. You know, as Laz says, you just have to be the stubborn one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he said he's got, you got 75 of the most stubborn people on the planet. Yeah. And, yeah, that's the beauty of it, you know. I, I mean, I love the format because even if it's not working out for you, it's not the end of the world. You know, you pull the pin and, you know, you might have probably you probably run further than you ever have. And, yeah. and then you just – and you've always got something to work on for the next one. So, you know, it's the curse of the backyard, you know. You, you're going for it. It, it's beautiful in that you, you're trying to go for as, as long as you can. But then when you do that, you a week later, you're thinking, oh, I probably could have gone longer. We're probably never going to be satisfied with how long we go. But, um, yeah. yeah, man, it's such a good community. And um, to be part of that group of runners that are pushing the boundaries of what's possible as a human, I think it's, it's uh, oh, amazing, man. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I was, it was so incredible that everyone got to see it in such a night, you know, that with that live stream, it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I still go back and watch parts of it now because um, it goes for so long as well. Like, I haven't, I haven't seen it all, so I've got to go back and watch bits and pieces that I haven't seen yet and stuff. It's so fun. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, it was, you've probably still got 50 or 60 hours worth of footage made to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I honestly feel like it's a, it's kind of like a reality TV show of some kind of survivor thing where you've got people, you know, who's going to drop next and who's going to be evicted. <laughs> so yeah. It's got that, that vibe about it. So I know plenty of people here that and their families were getting so involved in it and, yeah, just couldn't believe what was going on. So. Um, yeah, I know you've got the live stream at Dead Cow, so I'm sure it gave you plenty of ideas as to yeah as to what what you can do. But yeah, that's going to be so cool. Yeah, um, I know I'm going up there in um in a couple of weeks actually to do a practice with Tim. So yeah, okay, yeah, so that would be good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be a huge event. Um, he's done so well with where that's got to, and uh, yeah, obviously, I think it's 250 runners. Mm. Uh, or, or 200 one or the other yeah so um amazing that's going to be an amazing uh vibe out there yeah and yeah i mean the good thing about that course as well is as you come back uh closer to the homestead everyone runs down and and you've got this viewing area and and that could be quite cool as well so yeah. it kind of feels like there's some spectators out on course yeah apart from the cows <laughs> yeah awesome um yeah, well, look, hey, thanks heaps for coming on again, James. It's so much fun hearing you talk and speak to you. It's um, really good. And, um, yeah, again, awesome performance at um, Biggs. Uh, it was so much fun watching you and seeing your improvement, watching your journey. Um, hopefully, yeah, I'll, I'll see you at Dead Cow Gully on the 4th of May. Mate, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure as always, Pato, and um, thanks for everything you're doing for the sport. I think it's brilliant. Um, and yeah, yeah, you were definitely supporting me while I was over there. So thanks for that. No, no worries at all. No worries. As well. And when's your next race? Um, I'm doing hysterical carnage this Friday. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, so okay. that's a silver ticket race. So that's yeah. um probably my uh grand final for this year. Yeah. How many have you done this year? Um I think this will be my fifth. For the year wow that is incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um well mate best of luck for that uh i hope you get the silver ticket we'll see you in uh wa later yeah that would be well that's the goal that's what I, i'll be aiming Shit. for yeah that's the easiest way just make sure you win yeah <laughs> yeah 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 awesome. well mate yeah um i can't wait to see how you go but best of luck and yeah just mate just stay in the present moment always that'll get you there yeah Awesome. Thanks, James. Um, I, I hope everything goes the best at the specialist tomorrow as well. Yeah, and, um, thank you. And uh, the recovery goes as well too. Thanks so much, Pato. No worries. We'll keep in touch and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Beautiful, mate. Thank you. See you, mate. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.